So um, you can go ahead and put that first slide up there today. I, I have a question. Uh, we're starting off with this thought. Actually, this is the title of the, the message that I have. The church is like a tennis match. Now, I want you to think about that. Don't really have a verse to say anything according to that, but the church <laughs> is like a tennis match. So what could the answer possibly be? Everyone should wear shorts? No, no, no. Some of you would say yes, but no, that's not it. Christians should be quick on their feet? Nah, that's not really the answer. It's all a big racket? No, no. That is not the answer. Love is the goal. Not in tennis. You know what love means in tennis, right? It means you lost. Okay, so that can't be it. I think Pat was kind of making a motion like, what is it? Close. No. Ah, I heard it. Serving. Serving. Can you imagine going to a tennis match and nobody serves? What would happen? They'd stand there, you know, bouncing that tennis ball. I was going to bring a tennis ball for an object lesson, but our dog has chewed on all of our tennis balls, and uh, that's like very unsanitary. So I thought of actually bringing it and throwing it out there to you guys, but I, <laughs> I didn't do it. No, actually, I just forgot. <laughs> In a tennis match, unless you serve, nothing happens. And in church, unless you serve, nothing happens. That's what we're going to talk. We've been talking about the church. Uh, we had a little break last week, had a guest speaker. But I wanted to start this year talking about the church. We're part of his church. And today, I want to talk about serving. How important is serving in the kingdom of God? On a scale of 1 to 10, what would you give it? 11. 11. Okay, I like that. Okay, 11. We'll go with that one. Uh, let's go to our text today. We're just going to be there a brief amount of time, and then we'll kind of jump to various verses. But um, as I'm talking about the church over the next couple weeks, I'm going to be staying in Ephesians 4. But today we're just there for a little bit. Ephesians 4, 11 and 12. It was he who gave some, he being Christ. And if you back up to the previous verses, it talks about how the grace that's been given and how Christ took captivity captive. So we were captive to Satan. Okay, We were under his dominion. And Jesus took the captives from Satan and made them his captives. He took captivity captive. And in the days, you know, in the days of the Roman Empire and so on, when they conquered an area, they would take the captives and they would go back to the capital or wherever that was and they would parade through the town with all of the captives behind. And of course, it was a shameful thing to be in that situation. And they would take these captives, these slaves, and give them as gifts to people. And Jesus says, or Jesus says, I've taken captivity captive. And I've given gifts, but it's gifts to the church. Out of these people who've been brought captive to Christ, he takes some and he gives them to the church. 
It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers. Now verse 12, this is where we're going to kind of camp for the rest of the morning, this, this theme. So all of these gifts that Jesus, he's taken these people away from Satan, brought them to himself. They're his. And some of them he gives as gifts to the church for a purpose. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, verse 12, to prepare God's people for works of service. We're talking about the church here. This was a huge part of God's plan concerning the church, is that he would give people giftings and grace and abilities, and their position would be to minister to the church, to equip the church to do works of service, works of ministry, depending on the translation that you have. So really, my job, I have an aspect of ministry, but my ministry is to equip you to do the works of the ministry, to equip you to do the works of service. So I'm just going to, there are going to be very simple points today, but yet they're like foundational and I'll just keep building on them for the next couple weeks. My first point is this. Jesus came to serve. He came to this earth, and while he was here, he served. Now, um, Jesus is the Son of God, right? Not only is Jesus the Son of God, Jesus is God. He is God the Son. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Let's look at this passage in Colossians 1, starting with verse 15. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before God made anything at all and is supreme over all creation. This is talking about Jesus. Christ is the one through whom God created everything in heaven and earth. He made the things that we see and the things we can't see. Kings, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities. Everything has been created through him and for him. This is Jesus. Everything was created through him and everything was created for him. We're part of his creation, correct? We're part of his creation. He was involved in all of that. And we were created for him. That's why when people go through life without God in their life, without Christ in their life, it just seems like something's missing. They're they're missing their very creation purpose. They were created for him. I've been there. I understand that. Verse 17. He existed before everything else began, and he holds all creation together. He holds it all together. I, I don't think that's figurative. I think literally Jesus is holding everything together. And the day's coming when there's going to be a new heavens and a new earth, okay? But until then, he's holding everything together. So, Jesus is God the Son. But he came to serve. You talk about somebody who is like at the top, he's at the top. And yet, when he came to this earth, He laid his deity aside, but he was still the son of God. And he came to serve us. He came to serve people. Philippians 2, 4 through 7. 
Does anybody in here have an attitude? <laughs> All right. All right. And you can point at someone that has an attitude too. That's okay. Well, All right. Several attitudes in here. We're going to talk about attitudes in this verse. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Your attitude. You got an attitude? Here it is. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Who, being in very nature God, we just looked at Colossians, who talked about he was God. Okay, he was over everything. Who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. It wasn't something he was going to hang on to. Yes, I am God the Son. Yes, all things were created through me. Yes, all things were created for me. Yes, I am holding everything together. I am God the Son, and I'm not going to hang on to it. I'm going to let it go. You realize the vast difference between his position when he was with God and his position here on earth. He let it go. God did not, he did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. And it goes on to say that he was obedient even to the point of death, the death of the cross. Jesus came to serve. God the Son came to serve. It had been prophesied that he would be a servant. In Matthew 12, verses 17 and 18, this is, this is out of Isaiah chapter 42, verses 1 through 4. Jesus had did some things, and the author, Matthew, writes this. This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. Here is... What? My servant. Prophesied in Isaiah. Jesus, here is my servant whom I have chosen, the one I love and whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him. He will proclaim justice to the nations, and there's more to it. But the, the point I'm bringing out is it was prophesied Jesus, God the Son, would be God's servant. Look at Jesus' words in Mark 10, verse 45. He's talking to his disciples. Something just happened. They weren't acting very disciply, and he's talking with them. It says, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served. Jesus didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So that's my first point this morning. Very simple. Jesus came to serve. While he walked on this earth, just like we're walking on this earth, his goal, his purpose was to serve us, to serve God and to serve us. The second point, again, very simple. Jesus taught his disciples to serve. They were with him for three years, living with him. And he was teaching them to serve. They were a little slow to learn. Obviously, his disciples have changed since then because we pick up on stuff fast now. They were a little slow. One day, once upon a time, a long time ago, (laughs) Josh had his tricycle. Hi, Josh. (laughs) And uh, our neighbor had a pile of dirt 
that they had brought to their driveway, and they were going to take it out back and do some work in their yard. But there was this, it was more than one garbage or uh, dump truck load of dirt. It was a pile, probably five, six feet tall. Anyway, and it was a little rough, kind of a rough pile. Been there for a while. Our neighbor had a habit of starting projects and not really finishing them, so the pile eventually did grow weeds and grass and stuff. <laughs> but anyway, I'm watching and I see Josh. He's on his tricycle and he and he brings it over to this pile of dirt, and then he's looking at it and then he starts pulling his tricycle up this pile of dirt, you know, and he gets to the top. And he gets on his tricycle. And as any responsible father would do, I watched to see what would happen. (laughs) But I watched closely. (laughs) And when he was ready to go, he shoved himself off. He made it about halfway down that pile, and then things didn't go really well. And the tricycle, it you know, it's tumbling and Josh is tumbling and, and they're, they're both, you know, at the bottom of the pile. And he gets up, he goes over his t- to his tricycle, he picks it up, he starts dragging it up the pile again. <laughs> it's like, I know I can do this. I know I can. Well, this time I thought, I better step in because Lori might see this and I've been in a lot of trouble. <laughs> I, b- I better stop this. So anyway, I said, Josh, no, come on now. Let's, let's, you just don't try that anymore. Anyway, I talked him out of it. But sometimes we can be a little slow to, to get things. And uh, Jesus' disciples, man, he'd been teaching them about serving. But they would like miss it by a mile at times. In Mark chapter 9, <clears throat> starting with verse 33, it says this. They came to Capernaum, and when he was in the house, Jesus, when he was in the house, he asked them, what were you arguing about on the road? Jesus was with them, and he saw them arguing on the way to Capernaum. And he didn't address it then, but when they got into the house, they're settled down, he asked them, what were you arguing about? And nobody would say anything, because they knew they shouldn't have been arguing about what they were arguing about. They stayed completely, I don't think they ever confessed. Jesus just knew. He knew what they were arguing about. They were arguing on who was the greater. (laughs) I'm better than you. Oh, no, no, no. Saw that person I laid hands on? No, I'm better than you. And so they were arguing about who was the greatest. And then he says this. Sitting down, Jesus called the 12 and said, If anyone wants to be first, you really want to be at the top? He must be the very last. You want to be at the top? Consider others better than you. You want to be at the top? Serve others. Be the servant of all. I mean, in the the kingdom of God, the way to the top is serving. The way to the top is humbling yourself. The way to the top is putting others first. Not in a manipulative way, but from your heart, you're doing this. Okay, well, that seemed like they would get it. So you read on in Mark, you go to chapter 10. The same problem. In chapter 10, James and John and their mother go to Jesus when the other disciples don't know about it. And the mother, I don't know who's really in charge of this situation, but anyway, the mom asked Jesus, 
I want you to grant to my request, but she won't say what it is at first. And then, you know, what's the request? Jesus, when you come into your kingdom, I want you to put one of my sons on your right side and the other son on your left side, the places of favor, right next to Jesus. And Jesus said, you know, I can't even do that. It's up to the Father who gets those positions. But then the other disciples heard about it. They were not happy. You're trying to get the best position with Jesus? Well, Jesus deals with it again. Mark 10, verse 41. When the ten heard about this, they became indignant with James and John. Jesus called them together and said, You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. Man, if you're the ruler, you're in charge, and they just do what you tell them to do. And their high officials exercise authority over them. The person that's above them does the same thing. Just kind of keeps going that way. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. Jesus is saying, guys, I just want you to be like me. There's, there's a philosophy in this world that is so different than the way I think. In this world, you claw your way to the top where you're in charge and you can be in control and people can do what you tell them to do. But he says, in, in my kingdom, it's totally opposite. You serve. That's the way to greatness. You serve one another. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus keeps teaching this his last evening with his disciples. He knows that this night he's going to be betrayed, he's going to be taken by a mob, he's going to be uh, accused, condemned, he's going to be uh, mistreated and crucified. He knows this is his last evening with his disciples. So he does something very unique. This is in John 13, chapter, or verse 1. It was just before the Passover feast. Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave his world, this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. The evening meal was being served, and the devil had already prompted Judas Iscariot, son of Simon, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist, and after that he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. Servants in a household washed people's feet. The master of the household did not wash people's feet. And here's Jesus, God the Son, through whom and for whom everything was created. He takes his disciples one at a one, one at a time, and he's washing. I mean, that is a lowly job of a servant, and God washes the feet 
of his followers. See, it's just one more time. Jesus is saying, I've got one more opportunity to teach my followers. It's serving. It's about serving. It's not about getting. It's not about achieving. It's about serving. Peter had a hard time with this. You know, we won't go through the whole story, but he was just kind of, you know, he didn't want Jesus washing his feet. But Verse 12. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. They probably didn't, really, but he explains it. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so. That's what I am. I am Lord. I'm Lord of everything. That's what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. I'm sure they never forgot about that night. I mean, there was a lot of things in that night they would never forget about. But having God wash your feet is not something that you forget about. He said, I'm giving you an example. Now, do like I do. Serve. Humble yourself. Put others first. I tell you the truth. No servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. God says, there is a way of blessing in my kingdom where this blessing comes from God himself and comes to humans. And the way of blessing is serving. It's serving. The blessing of heaven comes down on people when they serve. So that was the second point. First one, Jesus came to serve. The second one, Jesus taught his disciples to serve. The third point, let's just get practical today. He's teaching you and I to serve. Amen? How many of you would say, Jesus is teaching me to serve? Awesome. I'm not going to ask how well you're doing. I'm just going to ask if he's teaching. (laughs) Okay. There's something in us that likes to be served. There's that old nature that wants to still be in control. The Bible says we have to crucify that thing. But the spirit of Christ in us, he is always wanting to help us step out and serve others. And, um, you know, it's kind of a battle between the two. Jesus teaches you and I to serve. You know what? We are free to serve. How many of you would say, Jesus has set me free? Are we under the law anymore where we have to obey the law completely in order to be made righteous in God's sight? No, we're free from that. We are free from the law as a way of righteousness. No one will be declared righteous by keeping the law. Okay, we're free from that. Praise God. We're now under this grace, the favor of God, where it's our faith in Christ. 
Okay, for by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it's the gift of God, not of works, lest anybody would boast. So we're free from the law as a way of trying to be righteous. We've been set free from that. Galatians 5.13, you, my brothers, were called to be free. And if you read previous verses, it's talking about the law, circumcision, and different things like that that we're trying to be pushed on the, the new, new Christians, but... Now, we're free from all of that. But do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Don't use your freedom to become a captive again. You're free. Jesus wants to break you free from things that are not good, that are harmful. But look what he set us free to do. You, my brothers, were called to be free. Do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Rather, what's it say? You have been set free. Jesus died on the cross, gave his life, so that you could be free from the condemnation of sin. So that you could be free from the judgment of God. So that you could be free from having to keep the law in order to earn a righteousness. Instead, it was given to you as a gift through your faith in Christ. He has set us free from all of that. And he says, use your freedom to serve each other. You're free to serve. It's not a bondage. The most free people in the world are the ones who serve others. People who want to be served, I don't see them as really being that free. There's usually a lot of other bondage that comes with it, okay? You're free. You're free to serve. We're almost done here. Okay. In his book, Giving It All Away, David Green illustrates the goal of life for believers. Some people act like life is an oversized game of monopoly where the way to win is to accumulate as many properties as you can, either by purchasing outright or by clever trading with your opponents. Then you keep adding houses and hotels, extracting rent from the others until you eventually drive them into bankruptcy. You sit back, rub your hands together, and start counting your stacks of cash. How many of you like the game Monopoly? All right. I think that game was demonically inspired, personally. Because it's too long. Games should only last 20 minutes. A good board game is 20 minutes max. And everybody thinks like me, I'm sure. So... Okay, the story goes on. No. Life is more like Uno or Crazy Eight. How? The point is to run out of cards first. You want to deploy every card you have knowing that each card left in your hand at the end counts against you. Don't get stuck at the time of your funeral with a bunch of cards in your hands. Give, serve. Your treasures are in heaven. Serving. Are you glad to be in the church? 
I'm glad to be in the church. It's a great place. It's a great place. But the purpose of Jesus' church, one of them, is that we serve each other. Amen? Amen. Amen. It's easy to say amen. 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 (laughs) Let's all do it again. Amen. It's easy to say amen. The hard part is actually doing it. Because I've got this going on, and 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 I just don't even really want to do it, and I've got this going on. Serving. The church is being equipped. What was the text to begin with? What was the church being equipped to do? To do works of service. That's the reason there's apostles. That's the reason there's prophets. That's the reason there's evangelists. That's the reason there's pastors and teachers. It's all part of God's plan. It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers to prepare to equip God's people for works of service. And you know who gets glorified in all of that? God does. He gets so glorified when he sees people who used to be very selfish, very self-focused, very self-consumed, and he sees them putting others first. And all of the principalities and powers, they look at the church and they say, what? What is this? I know what they were like. And now they're so different. This is just amazing. Oh, God is so glorified when a church is filled with servants. And becoming a servant is a process. It's a process. I would venture to say it is a dying process. I see different expressions right now. So. <laughs> There's got to be a death before there can be a resurrection. You've got to die to some, other, some things before you can be raised to the new things God has for you. You've got to die to this living for yourself so that you can be raised into this new life of living for others. And really, that is the the very rewarding life to live. I've tried it a couple times. It's awesome. You didn't catch that, okay. (laughs) Did you know, and I'm going to finish with this one, Lord willing. (laughs) Did you know that we're actually going to be servants forever? Did you realize scripture says that? You know, if your mindset is that when I go to heaven, I'm just going to be able to do everything I want to do and it's all my life and it's all me and it's all this. No, no, that's not heaven. We actually will be servants even in heaven. And if that part disappoints you, then I would say Jesus has a lot of work to do in your heart yet. Okay. (laughs) Okay, let me read it. (laughs) Give us a scripture. Okay. So in the book of Revelation, the apostle John, 
He's, he has these visions, and the Lord is showing him, I mean, tons of things. And then we get to chapter 22, and now history has gotten to the place where there is now a new heavens and a new earth. So, you know, all tribulation, all that stuff, we've gone through that. And now new heavens, new earth, the, the holy city, Jerusalem, this new Jerusalem, which is being made now, is actually going to come down to the earth. And it's huge. I think, was it 1,500? 14? I'll go with my wife. That is safer. Okay, so. <laughs> but anyway, 14, 1,400, high, wide, deep. It's, it's this enormous city that comes down to the earth. And God himself, the Father, will reside there now. And Jesus will reside there. God will live with us on earth. Okay, and this is what it says. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life as clear as crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life bearing 12 uh, crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. I tell you what, God is into healing and making whole. There's not going to be injured people at that time. There's, there's healing. Verse 3. No longer will there be any curse. It's done. It's over with. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will serve him. I want to serve God, even in eternity. But you know, one of the greatest ways I serve God right now while I'm here on earth is by serving you. That's one of the greatest ways I serve God. And one of the greatest ways you serve God right now while you're here on earth is by serving each other. If you just want to serve God but not people, you're missing the heart of God. Jesus said, you got to be servants. you got to be servants. Then it goes on to say this, they will see his face. That's going to be awesome. God the Father, God the Son. They'll see his face. His name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun, for the Lord God will give them light, and they will reign forever and ever. So we get to reign for eternity, and we get to serve for eternity both. Because they do work together. You reign in whatever position the Lord has given you, but you're still serving him. So, <clears throat> the church is like a tennis match. We'll go to that last slide. Unless you serve, nothing happens. I just want to grow as a Christian. You want to, want to know one of the most motivating ways to grow? Well, nobody does, but I'm going to tell you anyway, Okay. <laughs> Serve. Serve. If you don't really need to pray about much right now and you don't really need to be in the Bible that much right now because it doesn't really affect everything else, get into a position where you've got to bring something to somebody spiritually. Then it's like, I guess I better get in the Bible. Serving is such a huge factor in growing. My pastor was cruel. 
Have you ever had a cruel pastor? Nobody. (laughs) Hands down. My pastor was cruel. I became a Christian. I'm a new Christian, 19 years old. And he asks me to help with the youth ministry. (laughs) That was cruel. I didn't know anything. You know, I'm a new Christian. It was more than help with the youth ministry. He asked me to lead it. Now that's dangerous. I was terrified. I had to get into the Bible and find out what was really in there. You want to know why? Because I didn't want to say a bunch of false stuff. Stand before the Lord one day and he says, really, did you teach that to them? (laughs) Well, I was a shot. I was just kind of guessing. No, I wasn't going to do that. You want to grow? Serve. Serve in areas that you don't really feel like you're ready for yet. Yeah. Sunday night, seeking and stretching service. I don't, have we ever had anybody volunteer to speak on Sunday night? One person. Praise God. Everyone else? Slightly forced. Why? That's how you grow. I, I don't like to speak in front of people. Good. You'll learn to trust Jesus in new ways. I don't know what to say. Good. You'll seek God. He'll give you something to say. What if I'm wrong? Well, at least you're trying. <laughs> we got to grow people. The church needs to grow. We got to serve one another. We closed it down Sunday school. I called it equipping classes because I like that better. But we closed it down just because we didn't have enough people serving. And that's okay. It's not the end of the world. But I think really a church, a healthy church, should just have plenty of servants. Oh, it's so quiet in here. (laughs) You're making me nervous now. Don't do that. I think that a church, a healthy church, it should just have plenty of servants. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, this is not a manipulating service where I'm trying to get something, but my job as a pastor teacher is to equip the saints to do the works of the ministry, the works of service. See, I'm doing my job right now. My job isn't to do the works of service. It's to equip people to do the works of service. So anyway, I'm going to continue this next week. Fair warning, I'm going to talk about serving next week. And if you don't show up next week, I will write your name down. (laughs) You will either become the nursery director (laughs) or the kids' ministry director. You better be here. (laughs) (laughs) It's like pastors going to network conference, district district council. If if you don't go, you might become the head of some department. (laughs) Got to be careful. All right? Got to be careful. Worship team, come on up here. I'm not going to do an altar call where we just ask God to help us be servants. It's in your heart. It's in your heart. Let's stand together. We're going to close the service worshiping our Jesus.